Welcome back to Podcast 65 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com. For a 100% sign-up bonus, please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to help us out with the cost, sponsor the website and the podcast, we would love to help you out. Please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theazbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. What a crazy weekend in football, my friends. You know, the elephant in the room, Paul Christ getting fired, and I'm going to get to that. But... I just wanted to say it was kind of a mediocre weekend for myself. Friday started out well at 2-1, and one, but I believe Saturday was about, I believe it was 8 for 9 for ATS over under. And uh, Sunday today, which I'm recording this, was pretty equal, even keel, around 6-6. Six and six. I have a pen, couple pending bets here coming up here for Monday Night Football as well as a middle opportunity with a teaser. But, you know, very so-so weekend, and I kind of foresaw this coming into the weekend being that there's just so many injuries in the NFL. But uh, happy to get through it, and I'm excited for this weekend coming up. Already have some great plays made for college football and only one so far in the NFL. So this podcast is going to be pretty quick because early tomorrow morning, I'm hopping on a plane with the family. We're going to be traveling into Mexico, going to Playa del Carmen for a week vacation. It's fall break for the kids in Arizona. We do fall break, so uh, they're either going to be stuck at home anyway, so might as well go somewhere fun. I'm still going to have internet access and be doing all my handicapping from Mexico, so I have no issues with that. Also going to try to have a big guest for our podcast coming this week on Thursday morning. But the only changes really are that D-Nasty is not going to be able to do fantasy. I'm going to try to do a quick fantasy recap and uh, waiver wire before we leave in the morning. So this podcast should come out uh, sometime on Monday morning rather than Tuesday morning this week. But let's get right into Paul Crisp being fired, and as a Badger fan, I must say that it's expected. I'm a little surprised that they did it right in the middle of the season. That's really not the Badger way. Um, at least we haven't done that for any coach in a very, very long time. Uh, before I even went to college it, at the University of Wisconsin, I believe. But it was well warranted because Paul Chris has been there for Eight years now, we haven't won a Rose Bowl. I think we've only been to one or two of them, and we keep declining and getting worse and worse on offense. Defense has been great with Jim Leonard. This year is a little bit of a down year, being that we have so many new faces, but the expectation was that the offense with Graham Mertz and a big offensive line returning running back, 
big tight ends that we would be able to make a step forward and make up for some of that defense. But instead, we're even a lot worse than we were last year. So uh, well warranted to get rid of him. The, the program was declining. A lot of people think that it was an overreaction. A lot of people are comparing it to the Bo Pelini firing at uh, uh, Nebraska. Well, when Bo Pelini was fired at Nebraska, they also had a very good record. But at the same time, I think that uh, just because he got fired with like a 70% winning percentage does not mean that uh, we're going to fall through the depths like Nebraska has ever since that happened. You know, um, it's all about how they move forward right now. We have a very good, bright mind in Jim Leonard uh, stepping up to coach this team. What I think is that the Badgers have to be more active in the transfer portal. They need to get some better star receivers here. I mean, the last starting NFL caliber wide receiver that the Badgers have had is back in 2001 with Lee Evans. Really, and and Mike Chambers, those were the two guys. I, Chambers was ninety seven to two thousand. I think Lee Evans was ninety eight to two thousand one. They played a little bit together, but that's a long time. That's over twenty years without a, having an NFL caliber starting wide receiver. Sure, Quintez Cephas became an NFL player and he's played for the Lions, but he's not a starter unless somebody is hurt, right? More of a filling guy. He's not that fast. He's a pretty good athlete, pretty good receiver, but not starting NFL caliber. None of them were. Jared Embedaris, you know, there, there's plenty of them. Now, we had our share of tight ends that have done well, but after Ferguson here, you know, he's just a rookie right now at Dallas. I really haven't seen a lot of prospects coming into this program looking that it's going to change anything. And so if you want to compete with the big boys, you have to recruit. You have to get these kids in the transfer portal. It's a the only college in the whole state of Wisconsin with a Division I football program. It's a Power 5 program with a huge population. You know, you look at the Michigans. Well, they have Michigan State. They have the University of Michigan, and they have a bunch of smaller ones that are still Division I, like Central Michigan, Western Michigan, right? Uh, Eastern Michigan. So they have to compete for recruits. And sure, I suppose Michigan's got a little bit bigger of a population, but it's not by a heck of a lot. You know, there's pretty much Detroit, Michigan, and then everything else. Wisconsin's got Milwaukee, Green Bay, Madison, Eau Claire, some decent-sized towns, obviously, in that state and a decent population. They should be able to get more TV rights money, um, more bang for the buck being the single university with a division one football program. So in my opinion, it was going the wrong way. I thought Paul Chris was getting lazy. I thought he was very complacent. You know, he's making a lot of money. I don't feel bad for him. I think his buyouts about $16.2 million, but uh, you know, it's time to move forward here. You know, my dream scenario is if Jim Leonard stays at Wisconsin, I would love to see like a Joe Brady come on and be our offensive coordinator, the one that led Joe Burrow at LSU to the national championship. I would love to see something like that. And if it's not going to be Jim Leonard, let's say we make a change next year, 
I would love to see a Lance Leopold from Kansas. You know, would love to see that. I don't think we can pry Sonny Dykes from TCU, but it would be great to be able to get Lance Leopold if we can pay him. You know, that's kind of my dream situations. But, uh, you know, right now my expectations are low for the program. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm pretty shocked that they're a nine and a half point favorite at Northwestern coming in to next weekend. So that are my thought that those are my thoughts on the program itself. You know, I hope that uh, this abrupt move that they made uncharacteristically, uncharacteristically in the middle of the season uh, sends a message and uh, hopefully it's going to make some changes because the feel around Wisconsin alumni, which I, you know, talk to a lot of alumni, I have some Badger groups, is that uh, the school kind of has been ignoring sports a little bit more than they should be over the past 10 or so years. All right, now to do a quick recap here. Wanted to just touch on a few things in college and the NFL. Not a lot of upsets here, so this is going to be pretty quick. Michigan took care of business against Iowa. Um, Clemson against NC State was a very, very difficult environment for NC State. I thought that uh, there was a lot more against them than just the uh, home field, but Clemson took care of business, and now Clemson's 5-0. and you know, they are probably going to be playing in the ACC championship game here, facing a pretty easy team like a Miami or a Pittsburgh that just lost their last couple games. You know, the big upset was obviously Georgia Tech against Pittsburgh. If you're not going to talk about uh, Wisconsin losing outright to Illinois, which caused Paul Chris firing. And there's a little segment for them later. But, uh, uh, as far as the rest of the games, there wasn't a lot of huge upsets. Mississippi State was favored against number 17, Texas A&M, so that's not really an upset. I was all over Michigan, Mississippi State this game. I had a little buyback on uh, Texas A&M, but it was a four-star play for Mississippi State we made last Sunday when it was at minus two. Um, TCU was a play for us. We love that, and uh, that was a, that, they took care of Oklahoma easy. So I guess you can call that a pretty decent-sized upset. They were about a six-and-a-half-point dog, but it didn't close at five. So money came my way on TCU on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, it looks like. I guess Purdue versus Minnesota is a pretty decent upset. That thing, when we found out Aiden O'Connell was playing, went from 12-and-a-half to nine. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I was actually leaning Minnesota, uh, but a lot of sharp people uh, I knew like Purdue, and Purdue ended up going up to Minnesota winning outright, which was Blew my mind. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Uh, Florida State lost to Wake Forest, which was a little bit ugly, too. That was a interesting game. Uh, Jordan Travis uh, wasn't good enough that game. I think he threw actually no interceptions. Uh, there was a fumble lost, I guess, from uh, Jordan Travis. So there was a turnover there. But uh, otherwise, you're just very sloppy, you know. And then Sam Hartman looked pretty good, throwing for 234 yards and two TDs, but they were able to run the ball 171 yards up Florida State's throat. You know, I think that was interesting seeing Wake Forest now with a, with a running game. Uh, later that night, USC took care of business against ASU. ASU did cover, though. thought that was interesting. 
uh, Utah earlier destroyed Oregon State. It was just a terrible spot for Oregon State with that close game against USC. Very disheartening for that program, but I think they can get themselves back up and bounce back. They still had a fantastic start to the year, in my opinion. Um, Kansas State beating Texas Tech, that was pretty expected. So uh, nothing major there. Penn State actually had a much closer game with Northwestern. I thought Penn State was just a little flat that game. You know, if you look at the box score here, Penn State was never really going to lose that game. They were never worried about losing that game. 360 total yards to 241. So, you know, seven uh, yards per pass to 5.7. So it's just one of those situations where they kind of got lazy in the second half and just wanted to get the heck out of town, and I get that. Uh, Northwestern still at the bottom of the barrel right now of the Big Ten West, especially with the rise of teams like Illinois. (laughs) uh, Nebraska even covered, which is amazing. Um, I believe that Nebraska played a uh, pretty bad Indiana team, 35-21. to So there you go, Nebraska finally covering when nobody's betting on them, of course. (laughs) We were on Duke against Virginia. That was an easy win. Had a couple leans that I wish I was betting, you know, just seems like every week my leans are looking good. I was thinking Rice was going to be my most likely dog to win outright, and I never ended up even betting them as a plus 10 home dog, and they won 28 to 24. There's a little bit of a misleading final score on that one, but still kicking myself for that one. Texas easily took care of business against West Virginia, 38 to 20. Uh, one bet I did lose was Western Kentucky. They're driving to tie this thing at the end. I was hoping for overtime, but then they uh, coughed the ball up to Troy, and it was a big spot for Troy, and there were some other sharp people on Troy that I did uh, notice, so wasn't super excited about that game. Georgia. <laughs> they were on upside alert for a while against Missouri. But they ended up uh, taking care of business in the fourth there. But Jesus, man, if that would have been, uh, if they would have screwed up and lost that game, it would have been made some news for sure. But there is a big misleading final score on that one. So, you know, there you have it. It wasn't uh, a ton of upsets. I do love the fact that Kansas won. I was on Kansas again. Lots of sharp money was on Iowa State last weekend. And I just wasn't buying Iowa State as a three and a half point favorite at Kansas. And, Kansas almost blew it, and uh, Iowa State just missed ahead of happened to miss a field goal to tie it. And whenever there's a tie happening, you're on the dog under six points or seven points. You're getting pretty nervous there. Even eight points, seven and a half points could lose in overtime uh, if you have a dog. Just keep that in mind uh, when they have to go for two that uh, second time. So. Other than the despicable Wisconsin loss, not a whole lot going on. Boise State took care of business. That was my one loss on Friday against San Diego State. It was 13 to nothing. San Diego State, they looked like they're running the game, and then their quarterback got hurt. And uh, Braxton Bur- Burmeister went out, and then they had some terrible quarterback play come in. <laughs> I think his name is Liu Amave. And he went 0 for 7. <laughs> Just horrible. <laughs> horrible. And uh, couldn't even move the ball. Uh, Boise State went 
nine for 12, and most of that was in the second half, but they really just ran all over San Diego State, 316 rushing yards, capitalize on some um, just some terrible play. But, you know, when the quarterback came out in San Diego State, it really hit him hard when that happened and uh, changed the whole momentum in that game. Tulane beating Houston was pretty interesting. Four and one Tulane, and Houston sitting there at two and three. Man, is Houston really getting their ass kicked this year. Not looking nearly as good as projected coming in. Oh, Alabama. This was disgusting. Alabama beating Arkansas. I was on Arkansas, and minus two, like, 75-yard runs from Gibbs. They're within five points at the end of the third quarter. Um, and then Alabama has those two massive runs. Arkansas turns the ball over to make one of them happen. It's just like, what are you doing? 17 and a half points you have on that, and then you end up losing by 20 freaking three. Just unreal. But, uh, you know, that's how some teams are when they play Alabama. They just crumble and Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, those types of teams have these massive runs and they cover spreads. You know, they cover massive spreads. It was a perfect spot for Arkansas, and they had Alabama where they wanted them in the third quarter. Just completely choked that away. So, you know, that's kind of how my weekend went. Very anticlimactic, you know, <laughs> just kind of blah, but that's okay. We are going to move into our NFL recap real quick and the Bucks just lost to the Chiefs 41 to 31 that was ugly I mean just could not stop the Chiefs at all but right away they get the kickoff fumble it and the Chiefs in two plays are up seven nothing I mean not only did you screw up the fact that you get the ball first you gave them the touchdown. So also you're you're trailing seven nothing and you know at halftime they get the kickoff. That's one of the most brutal things that can happen right off the bat to screw up your momentum. Well, the Chiefs were leading that whole game, sometimes by 18 points. But the fact that the uh Tampa was able to even make it within 10 was somewhat interesting. Uh that offense in Kansas City is awesome. And when they're humming, they're humming. But I'll tell you this, Tampa was stubborn, and they just did not stop Kelsey. Didn't even want to try to stop Kelsey that first half. And that's where uh, their stubbornness really got the best of them. Uh, the Seahawks-Lions game, I, I tweeted it out that it's kind of like the UTSA Western Kentucky type score you might see coming up this weekend. <laughs> they just kept scoring and scoring, and this game would never end. I was on the Seahawks, thank goodness, due to the Lions' massive injuries. But uh, the Seahawks ended up with a big road win here, and they're 2-2 two and two now. I got to tell you, um, Geno Smith, really impressive. 320 yards, two TDs. Now, he wasn't playing a great defense by any means, but the, he's getting it done. Now he's going to get tested a little bit when he's facing a little bit harder of a schedule come on up here against, like, the Saints and uh, obviously within his division. So... It's just going to be very interesting to see uh, if this can keep going here with uh, old Gino. I, I was a non-believer in Gino, and he's got my attention. The uh, Bengals, I didn't even get to talk about that, that last Thursday. Crazy with Tua and the fact that he got thrown back in there. Now, 
was a coincidence they got slammed on the ground and he got knocked out? Probably not. I think that when you have a concussion, you're very prone to the next concussion unless time, unless you give it some time. You can see that you see that happen with boxers and UFC MMA fighters. But uh, I, I don't know how long you keep them out now. I think they now they got this concussion. I, I almost feel it's impossible for the Dolphins to start Tua coming into the Jets next week. Really, very interesting, really interesting situation. And Teddy Bridgewater looked bad. He was good for like one drive, a couple drawn out plays, and then he looked absolutely freaking lost. You know, I had more faith in Teddy Bridgewater until I've seen him the last few plays. You know, I I thought he did much better at Denver too, but maybe he's more of those kind of like that first drive kind of guy where the the plays are all drawn up in sequence and he knows what he's doing. But once he has to start improvising and checking down and stuff like that more, he he really seems like an incapable quarterback. So that was interesting. Uh, the Bears look terrible, too. I mean, Justin Fields can't put up more than a field goal. Uh, four field goals against uh, the Giants. I thought there was four field goals, 12 to 3. Maybe, maybe there was a touchdown there. No, looks like field goals. <laughs> it's just that ugly of a game, and the Giants' defense isn't good. This is an over I lost. Thank goodness I was on the side of the Giants minus 2.5 early in the week. But, geez, man. Put up some points, Justin. They look bad. <laughs> Just bad. I mean, Darnell Mooney, too, had four receptions for 94 yards, and then they, they'd just be so inconsistent. They make a massive play and just get sacked like 10 yards back. They are so not together right now. The Bears are a bad team. Where do I have the Bears right now? I'll tell you where I have the Bears power rated compared to everybody else. I just completed my power ratings. Second to last. I have them second to last. That's bad. They're, they're, they're hanging around Houston right now. <laughs> and Washington's not far off either. I have a lot of problems with Washington. You know, Washington can't win the game. I, I regret not taking the uh, the Cowboys. That was one of my potential plays that I chickened out of. It's because I thought it was such an important game for Wentz. But I guess that doesn't matter when you're that bad of a team. So... Titans versus Colts. That was another really ugly game. I tweet all the time. Matt Ryan's massively overrated. Some people come at me about it. And this game should show you exactly what I mean by that. I mean, the Titans were massively beat up on both offense and defense. Matt Ryan throws an interception. <laughs> you know, I mean, he had to throw the ball 37 times. I think Jonathan Taylor also got hurt, which really sucks for some fantasy people but uh matt ryan two fumbles <laughs> he lost a fumble so there you go that's kind of how the week went for uh the colts they're favored by three and a half points too the reason i didn't take the titans because the titans were so banged up but the colts were just absolutely terrible did darius leonard even play this game i don't think so that dude should have been on the pup list Oh, Shaq Leonard is the name now. Yeah, he actually, Shaq Leonard did play. just played really bad. Came in and all rusty. <laughs> I think the Colts are going to have some value. The question is when. Could be coming up to this week. But, man, they are now one of those kind of ugly plays. You have to swallow your spit and hold your nose when you play the Colts. The Eagles took care of business against the Jaguars. The Jaguars were up 14 to nothing in the first and they 
just completely pissed the game away because of one guy, Trevor Lawrence. Completely pissed the game away. They had the sp- they had the win, the spread. Trevor gave it all away. Fumbles the ball four times and lost every single fumble. How the hell do you do that? After once, you're like paying attention to pressure. Four times, plus he threw an interception. And they still only lost by seven, eight points. The spread was six and a half. All these Jacksonville betters, including myself, are probably pretty livid right now. I mean, this was a swing game for me that uh, should have covered had Lawrence not had those boneheaded mistakes. Jets beating the Steelers outright was very impressive. I had the Jets plus three and a half. I should have used them in the contest. I really thought about it. I switched them off for the Seahawks, which covered two. But I should have switched them off for the Bills or for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. I actually had the Bucks not in a uh, in an actual bet. I had them in a contest play, and the Bucks ended up obviously just like I said before, starting off terrible. But the Jets, man, they're not that much worse than the Steelers. So that's why I grabbed the three and a half points. Now the Steelers are probably moving on with Mitch Trubisky and moving to Kenny Pickett. That's what it's looking like is Kenny Pickett. Uh, Kind of fired the team up a little bit. But Mitch can't do anything. Seven for 13, 84 yards. At least Pickett was 10 for 13 for 128 yards. You're probably going to see the Kenny Pickett show from here on out, which, to be honest with you, I can't even upgrade that as a quarterback yet. He's a rookie, maybe even a slight downgrade, to be honest with you. You know, there's going to be a lot of hype coming in on him, but the dude's not ready yet, and that offensive line for the Steelers is not good. So keep that in mind. The frustrating thing about the Bills is I knew they were better than the Ravens by a decent amount. You know, I had that conversation with Chernoff last week. I thought Miami's a little bit better than the Ravens. Now, Miami lost two, of course, so, well, there you go. But uh, the Ravens showed their weakness. They, they're good in the first half. They're bad in the second half. 20 points in the first, zero points in the second. But, you know, the frustrating thing is the Bills have the ball at the four-yard line. The first arm marker is the two. There's a minute 30 left. The Ravens have no timeouts. So what what does he do? He gets the first down instead of the touchdown, which is the right thing to do, but then takes a bunch of knees and then kicks the field goal. Sadly, that's the right thing to do, but it's so frustrating. It's like you're so there to cover the spread for your good old fans. (laughs) You just happen to push, and it's not even a push because there's probably a lot of people that were dumb enough to bet the bills at three and a half. (laughs) So... um, very frustrating situation for Bills betters there, and but it's the way football's played, you know. I've actually won games that way by taking like a three and a half, and then the winning team takes a bunch of knees and kicks the field goal and wins by three. So you lo- win some, you lose some. I pushed. I'll take it. Chargers took care of business against the Texans easily. I knew the Texans were very fraudulent. It was uh. Pretty bad choke job against the Bears that the Texans had, and they have that one tie against the Colts, but that tie against the Colts sure isn't aging too well with how poor Matt Ryan looks on that team. 
So big game on Monday Night Football, Rams versus the Niners coming up. That leads us right to... The good, the bad, and the ugly from last weekend in college and NFL. It looks like Kansas winning again was good. We always start with the good. Kansas 4-0, 5-0, something like that. I think they're 5-0. and And they have a massive game where college game day is coming there finally against an undefeated TCU. <laughs> TCU is laying five points on the road against Kansas. There's going to be some interesting information that I'm going to give you in some of our betting spots coming up for that game. But good for Kansas, good for TCU. TCU just beat Nebraska, or sorry, beat Oklahoma like that. Just absolutely fantastic for that program. Sonny Dykes, he's another guy that I would love to have as a Badger coach, like I mentioned earlier. Nebraska actually covering. So I guess I'm going to call that good, but Nebraska fans are probably so frustrated that they're like, you know, screw you now. Like their fans are probably betting against Nebraska, so they lose again when Nebraska covers. Unreal. It's just how it goes sometimes. Let's get into the bad. Clemson's uh, 10 point home field advantage was kind of bad for NC State and any of their fans. If you watch that game, you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, seems like Clemson could do nothing wrong that game. But at the same time, NC State. I don't think they're even as good as they were last year. They lost a few guys, and I thought this would be a big year for Devin Leary, and my poor Heisman bet on Devin Leary is probably trashed by now. But uh, Wiyunga Lele actually looked pretty good. Um, He's maybe improved a little bit. I can see him regressing again like he did. He's kind of like Jekyll and Hyde sometimes. I'm just going to be very careful when I'm going to bet Clemson uh, coming up here for the rest of the year. Virginia Tech, Virginia, and West Virginia, all bad. All those Virginia teams got their ass kicked this week. So that was definitely uh, part of the bad. Arkansas, like I said earlier, giving up this massive rushing touchdowns to Alabama when they had the spread right in front of them into the fourth quarter. Very, very bad. Uh, Georgia almost losing to Missouri. Bad, 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 all bad. Lots of SEC in there, lots of ACC in there. And then ugly, even worse, Wisconsin losing to Brett Bielema. The guy they made shirts for that said, we're going to miss you, Bert. (laughs) You know? I mean, great for Bielema coming back to Madison and, beating Wisconsin. I took three steps this morning after I got out of bed and I already had more rushing yards than the entire Badger team did against Illinois. Wisconsin finished with two net rushing yards against freaking Illinois. I mean, think about that rushing team, hippo package, everything you hear about Wisconsin, two piddly, stinking rushing yards. Paul Christ, you're fired. 
Pittsburgh losing to Georgia Tech at home was absolutely pathetic as well. I mean, how do you do that after Miami loses to Middle Tennessee State? You know, they're like, hold my beer. (laughs) We could lose too. I mean, this coastal division is completely in the grasp of Pittsburgh, and then they freaking do this against Georgia Tech. I mean, I don't even think Miami lost a conference game yet anyway. So, I mean, Miami's showing so much weakness, and Pittsburgh loses to Georgia Tech. Very, very ugly there in the ACC Coastal. Here's another ugly thing, another dumb boneheaded coaching move Frank Reich down seven points against the Titans goes for a field goal with two minutes left goes for a field goal I think it was like fourth in a long time but still dude what are you gonna do with a field goal you know I mean you still have to score a touchdown later I mean, you can at least draw a pass interference. It happens all the freaking time in the NFL, you know? I mean, seriously, what is wrong with these coaches? They go for it in the stupidest situations early in the game, and then they don't go for it when it's completely dire need. (laughs) Blows my mind. Ron actually brought this up on Twitter, and I saw it happen, too. I was... Scratching my head just like Ron was. But Jesus, Frank, that was absolutely ugly. You know what you are! Just a dirty son of a All right, let's get into a little college football week five misleading final scores. Houston outgained Tulane 383 to 273, yet lost 27 to 24. Equal turnovers, bad red zone efficiency, and nine penalties did the Cougs in. Texas Tech's yards were garbage, so I'm not getting into that one. Northern Illinois outgained Ball State 516 to 487, yet lost 44 to 38. Equal turnovers, bad red zone defense got them. Baylor outgained Oklahoma State 345 to 213, yet lost 36 to 25. Bad special teams and two to one turnover ratio hurt them. Oregon State's yards were garbage too, so I'm not covering that one against Utah. Auburn outgained LSU 438 to 270, yet lost 21 to 17. A four to one turnover ratio and horrible coaching killed the Tigers. The Auburn Tigers, that is. They had this win and completely blew it. Western Kentucky outgained Troy 470 to 415, yet lost 34 to 27. A two to one turnover ratio hurt them. Georgia outgained Missouri 481 to 294, yet only won 26 to 22. A two to zero turnover ratio put them on upslide alert. UAB outgained Rice. 360 to 209, yet lost 28 to 24, a 2 to 1 turnover ratio and 12 penalties killed UAB. So yeah, going right back to Georgia, they were dominating Missouri on the ground. So that would have been a really bad beat if they lost to Missouri. Uh, Pitt 
Just like I mentioned, outgained Georgia Tech 411 to 334, yet lost 26 to 21, 3 to 0 turnover ratio did them. Same theme as it is every year. Don't turn the freaking ball over for the most part. Once in a while, there's a misleading final score that's not uh, that, that they have a positive turnover ratio. That's when I try to point out just terrible red zone efficiency, kicking field goals, missed field goals, bad special teams, blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, it's hold on to the ball. All right. Keep that in mind. Let's go to college football week six betting spots. There's going to be some injuries, but not all came out yet. I'm going to try to retweet those on Monday. Letdown spots. Purdue at Maryland after beating top 10 Minnesota team is a letdown spot. TCU at Kansas after beating Oklahoma might be one for sure. Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech after getting revenge versus Baylor is a letdown spot. Georgia Tech versus Duke after beating Pittsburgh outright is a letdown spot. Illinois hosting Iowa after beating Wisconsin is one for sure. Get up spots. Arkansas at Mississippi State after choking the last two games is big. Washington State needs to prove something at USC. Um, BYU needs to improve versus Notre Dame after an ugly win versus Utah State. That's a big get-up spot for them. Alabama has a revenge spot coming up against Texas A&M this week. That's going to be already a big spread. Pittsburgh's going to wake versus Virginia Tech after last week, you hope. Virginia Tech's pretty bad. Washington's going to get up for ASU after that loss to UCLA on Friday. Miami better get up versus North Carolina after that disgrace to Middle Tennessee State a couple weeks ago before their bye. Look ahead spots. Michigan looking past Indiana to Penn State is a clear one for me. Uh, That's ugly. TCU in a sandwich looking past Kansas to Oklahoma State. Would they look past an undefeated Kansas? Maybe. I mean, it's a letdown spot, too. They're in a sandwich here. I think that makes this spread so interesting. That's what I wanted to point out earlier. USC looking past Washington State to Utah is one for sure. Utah might be looking past UCLA to USC. Maybe. They do have that one loss, but it's not a Pac-12 loss, so that's interesting. Uh, NFL week four misleading final scores. The Dolphins outgained the Bengals 378 to 371, yet lost 27 to 15. A two to zero turnover ratio and bad quarterback play hurt the Finns. The Browns outgained the Falcons 403 to 333, yet lost 23 to 20. A two to one turnover ratio and bad red zone efficiency hurt them. The Colts outgained the Titans 365 to 243, yet lost 24 to 17. A three to zero turnover ratio and horrible quarterback play killed them. And then the Packers outgained the Patriots 443 to 271 yet one in overtime only 27 to 24 a pick six got them as well as some bad red zone defense funny thing about this Colts it's the same thing as last year with Wentz it's like they're outgaining people then everyone gets on the Colts and they all of a sudden start doing well I wonder if that's going to be the same uh this year and wow that pick six that Rodgers threw against the Patriots really made those uh survivor plays interesting because everybody was on the Packers I admit I had a survivor player too on the Packers too and some of the groups that I'm in so that was very very interesting NFL week five betting spots letdown spots really that's just the Seahawks at the Saints after beats beating the Lions on the road is a little bit of a letdown spot get up spots Washington might have to get up hosting Tennessee to save face here. 
that's going to be an ugly game. Uh, Tampa hosting Atlanta better wake up after two losses in a row. Imagine Tom Brady two losses in a row. I mean, I expect ultra focus here. Uh, Look ahead spots. Buffalo looking past Pittsburgh to Kansas City is possible. I mean, Pittsburgh is so bad. But this is going to be a massive double-digit spread as it is. I'm guessing like 14 points. This is definitely going to be uh, a big one here. But you wonder if they let down a little bit after that big Ravens win and uh, possibly can look ahead to what they what happened last year. Pittsburgh would be certainly an ugly, ugly play. But uh, getting well, the problem is the Buffalo has that loss against Miami. And that's they could still be reeling from that. So not sure how much I trust Buffalo looking ahead. Just give you my quick analysis on this. All right, time for a college football week six free play. And I'm going right to UTSA again, baby. We took the over with them on Friday. It hit. They're 5-0 and to the over already. We're doing it again. But they are playing in a high-flying Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, who is averaging 43.4 points per game. Yeah, they just dropped that one to Troy. Stupid turnover. But UTSA has nothing of the defense that Troy has. UTSA gave up 30 to Middle Tennessee State. Middle Tennessee State's not a great team. They gave up 41 to Texas. They gave up 38 to a bad Army team. They gave up 37 to Houston. Their defense isn't there, but they're scoring a bunch of points, right? Uh, UTSA is just averaging 38.6 points. But more importantly, both these tempos are extremely high. UTSA ranks 14th in tempo right now at 22.86 seconds per play. While Western Kentucky, if I can find them here, I have a nice little spreadsheet, uh, is 26th in tempo at 23.92 seconds per play. Um, 25th in offensive passing play success rate. So not so great on defense, but very good on offense. And obviously the strength of schedules has been very poor with these teams. I expect a ton of points. I expect these, I expect this thing to get into the eighties, right? I would take this thing all the way up to 76, to be honest with you. I would take this over. This should be the most high flying over possibly of the whole college football season. So take that for Three stars over 70 for UTSA Western Kentucky. Maybe it's me. I'm a little fucked up, maybe. But I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? All right. Now it's time for a little fancy football for week five. All right. Time for some fantasy football week Five. We're going to start with some key injuries. Wide receiver Jamison Crowder from the Bills got injured. He's day-to-day, and same with Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills as well. Quarterback Tua Tagovailoa from Miami was concussed, as we all know. Again, I doubt he plays the next game. Uh, running back Javante Williams has a serious knee injury, so monitor that. Running back Jonathan Taylor has an ankle injury and is possibly week to week, but hopefully he can come back soon. Uh, Quarterback Brian Hoyer suffered a head injury versus the Packers, so now they're down to their third string. Tight end Johnny Smith was ruled out as well 
with an ankle injury. Tight end Cameron Brait suffered a concussion for Tampa, and wide receiver Traylon Burks was ruled out with a foot injury for the Titans. That brings us to the waiver wire. Running back Naheem Hines for the Jonathan Taylor injury is huge, and maybe running back Deion Jackson for the Taylor injury in some dynasty leagues. He can certainly be a handcuff for Himes if Taylor's out for a while. Running back Mike Boone for the Javante Williams injury. Mike Boone's probably going to get a lot of carries now, as well as Melvin Gordon if Williams is out for a long time. Quarterback Bailey Zappi for the Brian Hoyer injury is now probably the starter if Hoyer can't come back. Uh, Tight end Cade Otten for the Cameron Bray injury for Tampa is important. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater for the Tua injury can be a streamer versus the Jets for sure this week. Uh, Wide receiver Khalil Shakir for the Bills wide receiver injuries could be a nice little sleeper for you. Wide receiver Nick Westbrook, a kind for the Traylon Burks injury for Tennessee. Tight end Mo Alley Cox had a great game for Indianapolis, so he might be someone you want to consider starting from now on. Wide receiver Corey Davis had a great game for the Jets, and wide receiver Alec Pierce looks to be more valuable than Paris Campbell to the Colts. Non-starters trending up for week five. Wide receiver Tyler Boyd versus the Ravens. Bad passing D is interesting. Wide receiver Corey Davis versus Miami's bad passing D is live with Wilson throwing now. Quarterback Bailey Zappi versus the Lions D is something to think about here. Uh, tight end Hunter, Hunter Henry versus the Lions D without Johnu Smith there. Wide receiver Chris Olave versus Seattle's bad passing D is a streamer. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson versus Tennessee's bad passing D. Um, quarterback Carson Wentz versus Tennessee's passing D is an ugly one, but he needs to have a big game. Quarterback Kenny Pickett will probably be the starter now. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to start him this week versus the Bills, but he's going to be the starter soon. Running back Dontrell Hilliard versus Washington D is one. Running back Kareem Hunt will have a big game versus the Chargers poor rush D. Running back Raheem Mostert versus the Jets D is certainly one. Take off some stress from Teddy Bridgewater. Running back Melvin Gordon will have the workload versus the Colts bad D. And running back Ramondre Stevenson versus... The Lions bad rush D for sure. Here are some busts for you. Running back Antonio Gibson versus the Titans run D. Titans can't stop the pass, but they stop the run. Running back Cordero Patterson versus Tampa's run D is a bust. Running back Rashad Penny versus the Saints run D is potentially a bust. Running back Ezekiel Elliott even versus the Rams D looks ugly this week. Uh, wide receiver DJ Moore versus San Francisco's pass D is a tough one in running and wide receiver Deontay Johnson versus Buffalo's pasty is looking bad. My nasty sleeper for the weekend. I could say Melvin Gordon, but he's not really a sleeper. I mean, he was owned in most leagues already, but he's gonna be a great start. I'm gonna have to go with the ugly Carson Wentz versus Tennessee's pasty. The Washington football team has their backs against the wall. They feel like the Raiders of last week 
going into a must-win situation against the Denver Broncos. As a matter of fact, the Raiders played so well last week, I thought they would have beat any team that given day. You know, sometimes teams just play out of their minds and the Raiders was the perfect spot play for people. I wish I would have got there. I was close to betting the Raiders, but I uh, shied off just based upon how inconsistent they've been. But this was the spot to play the Raiders against uh, Denver last week. But I feel like the Washington Commanders will have that same spot against Tennessee this week. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to tweet us at the Odds Breakers. Have a great rest of your week and go get some winners. <laughs>